isn't it isn't it kind of cool how you know it's just we have the freedom to just kind of meet and fellowship together and a lot of places when you think of i don't know gatherings of church it's kind of people go in and out and take care of their business and are just kind of on their way but i just really think it's so neat how we're able to fellowship together and not only the food aspect of it but just how you know, real and honest and open that we can be with each other, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate being here and being able to speak with you guys again, and it just makes my heart happy. My stomach is full and my heart is happy, so it's a good night, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for those of you who didn't know what I was doing over the summer, um, I do a lot of work just kind of like with Native American tribes, and particularly in between Minnesota and South Dakota. And, um, you know, there was a conference or a few different conferences coming up, and uh, I really felt that the Lord was placing it on my heart to go to and just connect with different Native leaders of different tribes and just kind of um, connect as I'm pursuing my degree and in, in, in seeing if there's any insight that they can give me and in, in anything into that. So um, I guess a cool testimony out of that is that I asked the Lord, you know, God, I really do not have the finances or means to cover this trip whatsoever. Um, so if if you want me to go, it's going to have to be through some form of provision or an open door through another job or something like that um, that is flexible with my schooling too. And someone had said, oh, have you ever thought of like a GoFundMe page? And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, it's like, I just felt like people would look at it and say, oh, that's cool. And then just you know, kind of when you're on Facebook, you're like, oh, that's cool, and you just, like, scroll past it and don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it, but um, in the first day, I think I set aside, like, like 500 bucks or something for just getting from place to place, and I think I met it on the first day, so it was totally the Lord of just kind of, like, bringing in, like, the provision and, like, finances and stuff and beyond that, so... Um, I started off with going to this place called Eagle Butte, South Dakota, which is the tribe of the Cheyenne um, River Reservation and the Cheyenne Sioux. And I went to a conference, and there was just some time of prayer and outreach, and just really connecting with the people out there and, and addressing like the needs in, in the community and saying, okay, like, you know, what makes you feel safe, and like, what what would you want to see to see your community change? Um, because there's just such is in particular on that reservation, a feeling of hopelessness and depression and, and suicide. And I just remember going out into this uh, like little like mini mart. It was almost like a Cub Foods, except not. Um, and it was like like 11:30, and I just remember just having this feeling of like brokenness and seeing people who were either already drunk at that point and just asking for money and food or seeing people kind of just like lying in the street. And um, it's like, it's almost like I had like the Lord's heart, you know. I just really felt like the Lord was saying, I love all of them. You know, I, it doesn't matter like what the situation from what the person in, in the community was facing or what, you know, any individual situation. I just really felt God's heart for that reservation and group of people. Um, and... I was just able to bless a few different people like through, you know, just like gifts and offerings and stuff like that. And that's kind of like set in motion, I guess, the rest of the summer. Um, 
after that, I just went back to Minnesota and I went up to the Fond du Lac Reservation uh, for some more conferences and some outreach was a really powerful time. We saw people like getting healed and like delivered and in actually um, Eagle Butte, the place I started off first, it was such like a powerful night of just sharing and worship and they're still meeting and there's people like coming from all over parts of the reservation that are getting saved um, and delivered. They had a baptism. There's like, we didn't go to the river because it was kind of unclean. So they had a jacuzzi in the motel. And so they decided to baptize people like in the jacuzzi. And it's like, hey, come on, Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter like if it's a jacuzzi or if it's in a river. It's just such like a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. That's I'm still getting like my phone will just blow up one day and it's like, this person came to God, and this person was healed of this, and this person, there's a dude who was, like, stabbed and, like, shot, like, multiple times, and, like, like literally, like, on the verge of death, and he's, like, totally, like, given his life over to the Lord, and, like, been healed of, like, the wounds that he's, like, experienced, so, like, like, when you look at different, like, reservations across, like, the United States, like, I really believe what you're going to see is like really a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Like I really, really believe it. It's the, the people who are the caretakers of the land are ready, you know, for, for, for change and they're ready to see God move in a powerful way. So um, after that, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Um, after that, I, I went to Fond du Lac and then up north I went to um, this place called Red Lake and White Earth. And also, there's another place called Boys Fort. And that, that whole territory is mostly controlled by the bands of the Ojibwe and Chippewa tribes. Um, and once I got there, I just had this, like, vision of, there was this group of, like, literally a gathering of just all the different tribes that were coming together across the land. And I saw, like, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and like this crazy like reconciliation of just you know the forgiveness of like tribes against tribes and the sins that have been committed and I really saw the Lord just like restore and heal not just within like the tribal community but like the surrounding communities as well and that's kind of really what they're planning on taking place there's like next year there's going to be like several conferences like directed of just like reconciliation. So if that comes to mind, I can give you some more information. We can pray about that. Um, but that's basically what my um, summer consisted of was just going and uh, meeting with different tribal leaders, different tribal council members. Um, I got to sit in on a tribal council meeting, which was really cool, um, and meet the new chief of the, of the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. He, he's like, I think think we're ready for a change you know I think there's something coming I was like I agree it's like when you're like you're in front of someone really important and you're like oh yeah I'm like trying to stay polite but like on the inside you're just like oh I'm so excited so um yeah so thank you guys for your prayers and support because um it really did make an impact I met so many cool people and was able to meet with some really cool ministers and stuff as well and there's, there's really the starts of a move of the Holy Spirit, you know, going on on these reservations. And so that's what the trip consisted of. Um, and I just wanted to touch on two quick points um, on how, what, what our part really is and kind of how this all adds up and what we can do in, far, in, in you know, 
part of just, you know, ministering to the people of this land, you know, and calling them into their destiny. So has anyone heard of, uh, anyone heard of what Donatism is? No. No. Nope. Donatism? It sounds like it could be related. Yeah, <laughs> probably is something. Yeah, um, Donatism. For any of you history buffs out there, is there any history buffs? Anyone yeah. like history? Okay, Donatism is um, was a form and of religion, kind of that was in Christianity um, that took place in the fourth century, and it's named after a man named Donatus, who was a bishop of North Africa. So we're kind of like going like way back. But um, basically the followers of Donatism had established that, well later it was claimed a heresy, so I mean I wouldn't engage in it now. But like basically the, Donat the Donatists said, okay, all the relics and sacraments of the Catholic Church are now officially null and void. And so if you know a priest who's corrupt or if you know a bishop who's corrupt, corrupt and they baptize you, doesn't count because of the sins that they've committed in the church. And all the sacraments like that just basically say they don't exist or acknowledge them as having an effect. And what they established was an attempt not to only overthrow the Catholic Church from that standpoint, but to kill all of the clergymen and the bishops and anyone who else they thought was corrupt inside the church during that time period. Um, and if anyone has read Confessions by St. Augustine, uh, who was a pretty solid dude, um, they kind of had a little tussle with him, with trying to, trying to take his life. But, um, you know, when I was reading through this and I thought, okay, God, there's clearly something here that, you know, unless you're like straight up pure evil, you don't really think like to yourself, I'm just going to, we're just going to go kill this group of people for based off of the facts of what they did, or even if it's a minor thing, there has to be something you know established there to to you know cause that anger and aggression. And when I was looking through Scripture too, I really felt it was so clear, like from the Lord. I just heard the word offense. And when I put those two together, I thought of the Donatists in this way: the reason why they were committing the acts that they were committing is because that they were offended by the acts that the bishopmen and clergy had taken against them. So any any like form of sin or any form of you know idolatry or abuse that was put in the name of the Catholic Church, the Donatists associated with that and said, okay, well all of these guys must be evil then. And they had seen by then a pattern that was built up and something that had been established that had said, well if these people are doing this in the name of this form of Christianity, in the name of God, then it mustn't, it, it, it's not good, and we have to destroy it. And you see how, like, the offense and the anger kind of builds up? And I was kind of thinking, well, in relation to the church and ministry to the First Nations, how can we compare those two things? Because when you go on the reservation, you don't see anyone in any churches. And if you go to someone and says, hey, I'm going to go to church today. Do you want to join me? It's kind of like, nah, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of stay away from that. And there's similar things of pointing the way the church has committed offense against the people of the First Nations tribes in the same way that the had offenses committed against them 
from the, ch- the Catholic Church. There's abuse. There's death in some cases. There's like scandal. There's people being swindled out of their money and having their identities taken away. And so when I was thinking about this, I was asking the Lord, well, how can we reconcile, you know, the rest of the United States of America with the First Nations? And I really felt like the Lord was giving this to us personally as an encouragement. The way that we carry ourselves as the body of Christ and the way that we're sent out is, has so much more of an impact than we could ever. It's, it's like mind-blowing. It's almost like when, some, when you're asking someone or someone says, hey, I'm following after Jesus, it's almost like for a non-believer, it's almost like they have like this extra pair of goggles enlarged and fixated on you. You know, it's like, oh, this person, you know, they're claiming they're following Jesus, you know, what are they going to do? You know, and that comes to your political views and that comes to, you know, your beliefs about same-sex marriage or abortion or any of that. The, the, I just feel like the Lord is saying the call for just almost a, a, to walk in the light and the purity um, is just almost like increasing. And I feel like being sent out among the First Nations, it's almost double that because there's so much offense and there's so much brokenness. So I just really felt like the Lord was encouraging us and saying that we can do this and that it's definitely attainable, but it just comes to us holding each other accountable and it comes to also us walking in the light with each other. You know, so any interaction you have, whether it's with someone who's from, who's native or non-native, ask yourself the question, how would Jesus handle this situation? Because you see, when, when we lean on our own understanding, we fall just a little bit short. But when we really put our hope and trust in God and seek first his kingdom, you find that there's this alignment and this structure that kind of gives you guidance. And you're able to say, okay, how am I able to pray into to this you know, situation? Or how am I able to you know, make an impact for God's kingdom here? Um, and I'm sure that Chris can attain to that too, being in China. There's probably multiple situations like that. Um, the last point is just the scripture verse. If you have your Bibles, it's just Romans um, 14, uh, 17. And it says, um, okay, yeah. Uh, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And I just really want to emphasize that point of there's a time and season of being sent out. And God is going to send you all out to different places for different times and different seasons. But this right here, what we have is a key moment. It's a key season of time. And, and I really believe, you know, through the meeting that we have with each other and the, you know, hearing of the word and worship and seeking God together, and not only upbuilds us personally, but we're able to upbuild each other through that. And so when, you, when the time comes for you to be sent out and, and commissioned, you won't have to worry about doing it by yourself because you'll have a group of people who are standing at your back and saying, okay, This is what God's calling you to do. The time has come for you to do this, and we're going to support you and bring forth the edification and upbuilding of you personally and together 
to send you out. And on top of that, we're not only going to do that, we're going to pray as you continue to, you know, go out into your ministry or your field and support you in whatever way that you can. That's kind of what I experienced, or it is what I experienced when I went out. And I just want to, you know, honor you all for, for your willingness to be here every week and just connect and fellowship with each other. Um, and I'm really excited for the season that we're all going to be walking into. I think that it was a time and season where God was calling me to an area for a season of time. And hopefully I'll be back. I'm, I'm planning on going back. But it's like, you know, once I graduate and have the door to walk in there for career-wise, I really will be able to say, hey, you know, the guys at Communitas got my back. You know, and it's almost like when you, like, are on the high board, you know, getting ready to jump off when you're a really little kid into the deep end. And for me personally, it was cool jumping by myself, but I preferred going with my sister because I had someone who was, you know, we were going in at the same time and we were there to support each other. One, we both couldn't really swim, so at least. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like the same way. You have that support and that covering. Um, so that's just kind of a piece of, of what I experienced. And thank you again from the bottom of my heart. I'll give you all updates as I continue to go back. I'm going to be heading back and forth a couple weeks here um, and just throughout the rest of the year and next year too. So, yeah. Like, um, get out of here with the word of God. That's a good question. I myself haven't experienced that personally, but then again, it goes to how you're gonna portray something to someone or how you're gonna show something to someone. You know, if I go up to Nate and I say, You're a sinner, you're gonna go to hell, I'm gonna just like kind of cram this down your throat of the things you need to do in order to be saved. And even if you do, you're still going to mess up, so you're just going to have to cover your tracks by doing more stuff to, to seem appeasable to God. Well, if I'm a non-believer, it's not really going to sound that appealing to me because it's going to sound like, okay, I'm going to commit myself to a God who I don't really know, who seems to be angry all the time, and then there's these rules that I have to follow in order to appease his anger. And even if I do appease it, it's not going to cover the rest of my life. It's only going to cover a quarter. So you know what I mean? It's like you have to be, you have to, you know, go forth in a way of speaking in love and speaking in truth. That, that's the cool thing about Jesus. He told it like it was. I mean, there are some parts when you look in Scripture where he was, he was upset, you know, whether before his time on earth or during his time on earth. I mean, the Pharisees, like, he, he let those dudes have it. Like, so, and I think you have to be honest to a point, but you don't have to do it out of a point of judgment or condemnation. And that's what people are really looking for. They're, they're looking to be heard, and they're looking to, to be told something, but they're not willing to just be, you know, kind of slammed and tossed out and kind of, you know, thrown at all of that different stuff. So... Here, saying truth in love. You're not doing a perfect job, 
people are buying more and more and more, and and maybe there's going to be more food, but uh, people are going to hate it. And and I don't, usually when I talk to people, it's always like, well, you did something wrong, like you you talked to them wrong, or Mm -hmm. you you weren't loving enough, or you weren't this enough, and I'm trying to try to figure out on my own what other people don't do, which is when I don't understand what they're doing wrong. No, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing. I think the more honest we can be, especially when we're out ministering and saying that, you know, because we don't have all the answers, which is true, we don't. Well, we know, we, know, we know that Jesus is king, right? And we know that he's the hope of our salvation and, you know, the author and perfecter of our faith. But I think when people see, you know, that we're in a place of brokenness ourselves or that we're trying to figure it out, it's more of a relatable aspect to talk to people about. Um, so that was good, yeah. Did you have something? Well, it's, it's, it's more of a hostile situation where you present, present your, yourself in a way that they would question, start questioning and then, then be overweight to the fact that you're just mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Could you give us like one or two? What are the top like prayer concerns or problems mm-hmm. like in the among the Christian people that you would that you would discern? Yeah. And then like you know we know some of the ones that you won't go into, but like mm-hmm. what do you try? What would you say like that's the one to be praying about? Mm-hmm. Or stuff that you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are good. Yeah, um, I think probably the top concern is for a male presence to be felt and just kind of praying into asking the Lord to raise up the men of the community and and just take their place as heads of the household. Because what you'll see is a lot of single-parent families and you'll see a lot of, um, you know, kids that are supporting each other because there's either no male presence around or there's no parental presence around because there's either been a, an involvement in drugs or someone's in jail. or There's this girl I know who's, I think she's 15, and she's been taking care of like six or seven brothers and sisters since like she was like eight. It's like like feeding them, taking them places, making sure that they have enough and putting their needs before her own. It's like she was like literally an adult at like eight years old. And, I, you know, that's what you see in a lot of those places. You'll see like groups of kids walking around. And you'll, you'll stop and you'll say, hey, where's, where's your mom and dad? Oh, they said they'd, they'd, they went to work or our dad is doing something or in, you know, in jail or something like that. And the girl that, that I knew actually, her parents were buying drugs from a friend of theirs parent so you had like the parents of the family that were like doing drugs and then the kids were just surviving and and kind of looking out for each other so there's a lot of that um so just kind of uh pray that you know the parents and the men and the women will call into you know the destinies that that god's called you know because there's some really cool people out there who have some cool destinies. Um, 
And I guess the second is just the overwhelming sense of death and um, hopelessness. And um, I think the youngest kid that I had heard who had committed suicide was like eight years old or something. It was like a, like a gunshot like to the head and taken into Red Lake Hospital. And, um, you know, it's like, what do you... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what do you like? What do you say, you know, to to a parent who's experiencing that? You know that their son has just taken their lives, or his own life, at eight years old, and um, it's it's hard. It's hard to hear, and it's it's definitely harder to to experience from the standpoint of the families out there. But it's just such an attack of the enemy against the future generations and the generations now of this group of people. And, um, yeah, so so that and just places where they can be safe. They, they had asked a group of kids, what if you could have anything on your on your reservation, you know, what would it be? Or what, what do you want? You know, because they call it a national state of emergency. I think there was like, like 600 suicide attempts from... January to like May and like 350 of them were like successful. Just think about like how many people you lost. That's on one reservation, yeah. Um, Pine Ridge, yeah, in South Dakota. So you lost, yeah, in a period of six months. And they... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is um it is one it is the se- yeah, it is the se- biggest and it is the most impoverished. I think the average like media, like medium income is like 1200 bucks a year or something like that. And what you Yeah, it's like it's it's real bad, but the the thing is that when when you drive by con- like casinos and stuff like that and when you drive by different places on the reservation the income that's brought into those places is supposed to go back to the members of the tribe because it's on their land. But if you go to a place in South Dakota or Nebraska or someplace that's like super desolate and the casino's not making any money, well then nobody's gonna get paid because there's not enough revenue that's being generated from the people that are there or investing in it um, to be able to support the people who are part of the tribe and there's no jobs out there so that's really their only source of income so um, that's when I was up and I went up to Red Lake and I looked and like 90% of the people in the casino were Native Americans so they would get money that they spent at the casino and then they would get it back if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so there's in these far off places that's that's a problem Um, and so yeah but back to the just kind of what you said, the what those kids wanted um, was just a place to be safe. Like th- that's a that's a real simple request, you know. When you think about it, it's like, you know, if you could ask for anything, if someone asks you, well, what do you want? Oh, well, a million dollars. Or what do you want? Oh, I'd like a new car. Well, or what do you want? Oh, I just I want to be safe, and I I don't want to feel like my life is in danger, you know, and I want to have a place where my family is together. 
and not where I don't see my dad hit my mom, you know? And I'm sitting here hearing that stuff, and I'm like, keep it together, man. <laughs> Try not to cry, like, the whole time. But um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now, and you think that there is no hope. But in light of that, in light of the darkness that's consuming these places, you can see this, like, surge of light that's, that's, that's popping through. And that's, I really believe that it's just going to, like, almost, like, drawing back a curtain, just kind of overtake, you know, the darkness. And I really believe that's what God's plan is. And these stories that you hear of these kids who are like, yeah, you know, I was about to go to jail, I was addicted to drugs, or, you know, my parents were not around, or, you know, I was killed. Like, I know people who were killed, or I was a gang member. Or, those are the people that you're going to run to after that happens, that are going to be the leaders of their community, making an impact for God. It's going to be the people who are like the most broken, like hardcore. No one's got given any thought to them because there's no hope left for them. Those are the people who you're going to see, you know, with God's love showing through them. Those are the, the future community leaders, and those are going to be the activists of really leading the surge of revival on the reservation. At least that's what I believe. I think it's going to be like a internal effect in the community with people ministering to each other and then this overflowing outpouring of, you know, people getting saved, healed, and not just Native people. Like, you have to, you know, the people who live on the land outside who are non-Native, I think they're going to benefit it too. They'll probably just be like, oh, I'm just here to farm, but there's a revival going on and the Natives are leading it and I'm going to experience some good stuff. So... Yeah, so thank you guys. Is that, does anyone have anything else, or is that good? Cool. Guys, I'm so excited, honestly. If anyone ever wants to come with, um, just let me know, and we'll set up with something. So thanks for listening as I share. Yeah. Yeah.